Welcome to Costly Conversations. I'm excited because we have the one and only Katrina from AFT. She's with us, with us today. And I, I suppose the question of the day is, why is it important for ladies who are in, in, attempting to get into the firearm space, why is it important for them to have their own training courses? And what specifically does do or do these training courses offer that perhaps the ladies aren't getting from um, co-ed courses? So I want to jump into that. There's a couple other things uh, that we're definitely going to get into. If you're interested in this conversation, tap in with us today. We're live on the Locals feed. We're live on YouTube. And of course, you can listen to the replay on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. My name is Aaron. This is Costly Conversations. Let's go. Hey, Katrina. Hey. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For those of you who are live with us, we always try to take our audience questions, um, implement them into the show. And of course, if there's any like big questions that we need to tackle, we try to tackle those towards the end of the show in the last 30 minutes of the public feed. In addition to that, if you are on the locals feed and you want to jump uh, pop a question in, feel free to do so. I'm watching the feed right now. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Katrina, um, for those who don't know you, you are, I guess, the co-owner of AFT. You're wearing the shirt, the Woman Up t-shirt, the new design. It looks really good. I was just seeing that you guys have some patches that you're, um, I guess, testing out, looking at the quality on them. They look great. And uh, Alpha Female Tactical. Always, always with the tactical. Why do we? Why do we do this to ourselves? I don't know. It's like every, I used to do personal training and fitness and that mm-hmm. was, it was always something, something fit. So mine yeah. was hurting fit because her yeah. training and fit. So I don't know. Like I'm, just- I'm teasing you because that's something <laughs> that me and my buddies, we, you know, we have conversations about like, you know, why do we do this thing where we like always have to throw the word tactical? It's like such a, like a military yeah. word, but, yeah. but I think of all the people who have the right to use it, you guys do because um, your husband, he's done some work in the military. Um, so let's talk about your background and his background together and kind of what you guys are doing with AFT. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, it was actually my husband's idea to start this company, his background. Mm -hmm. He was in the Marine Corps special forces and recon, um, back in the early two thousands. And then he worked for a company out of Las Vegas called CRI Las Vegas crisis response international. It's a counterterrorism training school. So, he got in training with them and then he actually became their senior lead instructor for uh, well over 10 years. Um, so he was training, you know, military, law enforcement, um, CAA, SWAT guys, civilian training, all in the defensive tactics, special force training, executive bodyguarding, tactical driving, all, all that fun tactical stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, fun tactical stuff. Word out. <laughs> yeah. So that's his background. So he knows a lot. Um, very skilled, of course. And then we moved out to Florida from Las Vegas in 2017. He's actually the reason I got into guns, firearms, and self-defense and all of that. Um, mainly guns. I had already been doing some basic MMA and, you know, cardio fighting, I guess you can say, some Muay Thai. And I had an instructor in Vegas. But an incident in Guatemala 
completely different story. Um, I got jumped by a group of girls and that was what turned me into, you know what, I should probably learn how to defend myself. So Mm. flash forward to us moving to Florida from Las Vegas and I wanted to get my concealed carry license and the class that I took, um, granted, of course, they went over all the legal stuff, which was great. I left my concealed carry class after shooting one single bullet and that qualified me to carry a firearm. Now, luckily I already knew about firearms and how to shoot them prior to the class, but it was very discouraging seeing all of the other women leave the class saying, hey, well, I'm gonna go home. My gun's going right back in my safe because that didn't teach me anything and I'm still not comfortable or confident to carry this firearm. So when I came home, my husband was all excited. How was class? I'm like, great. I shot one bullet and now I'm qualified to uh, conceal carry. He was like, seriously? So then he kind of got the idea from his background and training in Vegas was like, hey, what if we build a program for women to turn women essentially into badasses and give them the training, you know, just like I was doing with, you know, majority of the men in Vegas, he had female students, but for the most part, it's usually guys. So Mm -hmm. he was born alpha female tactical and it's, um, you know, a training program for women from the very basic entry level to if you want to learn how to run and gun and shoot out of your vehicle and do anti carjacking things like that, we have the ability to teach you that as well. So it's, it's been fun. That's how uh, it started. Yeah, well, that sounds pretty cool. I mean, obviously, um, being able to teach all those things from a, a professional standpoint, I think it's it's solid. Um, man, we all have this this I guess this canon event, right? This thing that we kind of encounter in our lives. I find it especially true with the ladies. Sometimes guys are more quick to just be like, oh, "I just want to shoot guns," but yeah. in order to to get to a point where we're saying like, "I want to carry a firearm," sometimes we have to go through something kind of semi traumatic. Now mm-hmm. you mentioned, um, you said Guatemala, which is, did you say Guatemala? Did I hear you right? I did, yes. Guatemala. Yeah. Guatemala, one of the most dangerous countries in the world for those who don't know, like, like it sounds awesome, but if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get hurt. And yep. it's like my, my cousin actually went there on a mission trip one time and he was mm-hmm. saying like, yeah, we would go to restaurants and there's like security guards outside with like, like serious, like firepower. Like, McDonald's. I went to a, a McDonald's. McDonald's was like the high class restaurant of the little town I went to visit. Yeah. They had armed guards. They only let one person walk in through the door at a time. So they had like dual glass doors and you had to wait for someone to exit before they let you in. And they had a guy there with a big old rifle waiting to like guide you in. And you had everyone dressed up in business suits. You had flat screen TVs, computers. And I was like, wow, this is crazy like uh, totally unexpected it's mcdonald's and, you it's know McDonald's. i went into like 14 hash browns because i was a hungover american like wow all right this kind of nice why can't we get this in the states that's hilarious that's crazy how the mcdonald's here is like kind of like just so regular like it's not a big deal yeah. now, now they have a few things that are kind of cool but you're not expected to wear a suit to mcdonald's that's not yeah. a thing yeah and this that's was crazy. in 2000 and this was in 2010 yeah. Well, back back to kind of I guess my point being is you guys or you went to Guatemala, you mm-hmm. didn't I guess have a background of self-defense or even some of the some of the tenets of self-defense um such as situational awareness and yes. things. I'm sure maybe you had a little bit of that, but 
uh, not enough to avoid getting jumped. And obviously to the point where you're like, I'm never going to let this happen again. Yep. That's exactly walk, it. Walk me through that day. Like what um, happened? So I, when I was living in Guatemala, I was doing an internship through the college I had attended. So it was yeah. all volunteer work and kind of similar to like Peace Corps work. So I was with other volunteers through this program. And every weekend we usually went and explored a different city or town. So we had gone to um, Monterico, which was on the coast, very beautiful, right on the water, black sand beaches from the volcanic ash and everything. And we had already been there once before. So we decided to go back a second time because it was so fun. You have the little beach hostels right on the beach. So for like $7 a night, you have like a beachfront room pretty much. And it was a tiny little beach town. So we went out to the one and only like little bar nightclub, I guess you could call it in the town. And I was with the volunteers that I was working with. There was other Peace Corps volunteers from all over the world. So I met people from, you know, Australia, Europe, other South American, Central Americans, local Guatemalans. Um, so we, you know, we had some drinks, we were hanging out, mingling with locals, other tourists, other Peace Corps, other backpackers. And we happened to go to a different bar later on. And I was sitting in a chair with my back to the beach because all of the bars and restaurants were, you could walk up off the sand directly into the restaurant. So I'm sitting in my plastic beach chair, my back to the beach. It's like two o'clock in the morning. Of course, we had been drinking, having a good time. And next thing I know, I'm getting yanked by my ponytail out of my chair. I have no idea what's going on. And all of my friends didn't, you know, like I said, everyone had been drinking, so no one was really paying attention. And so I just feel a bunch of hands grabbing on my hair and pulling my hair and they weren't stopping. So I don't know, felt like a whole minute went by. It was probably a few seconds and I just start screaming because I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to start screaming. I'm trying to hold my head. My head is literally between my legs. I'm in the sand. I'm unstable wow. on my feet. I don't know how many people are attacking me. Now they weren't punching me. They weren't trying to rob me of anything. They were, it was just literally females like pulling my hair man. And that hurts. If you ever had like just yanks of hair, you can like hear the cartilage and you know, your skin oh cracking. My gosh. So I just start screaming. And actually it was, um, some local Guatemalan guys that came up off the beach cause they heard me screaming and they pulled these girls off of me. And then my volunteer friends kind of finally realized what was going on. My friend Kristen at the time said she full on took her beer bottle cracked it on the table and was like, like out of a movie, getting ready to like shank somebody with a glass bottle. Um, cause what it was earlier at a different nightclub bar that we were at, we were mingling with everybody. And apparently we talked to some local people and they got jealous. So they came over to kind of attack our group cause they thought these American women were here to steal their men or something. Um, and I was the first person right there. So I was the first person for them to grab by my ponytail and you know, then I'm, I'm kind of drunk and like, what the heck's going on? And I just remember waking up the next day, like hungover, my hair's coming out. Like I was a cancer patient. I'm like, man, like last night was crazy. And then of course everyone's like, why didn't you get the police involved? I'm like, because I was in Guatemala. <laughs> I probably yeah, would have crazy. Yeah. Like that's, that. that's completely nutty. I'm <laughs> wow. Like, so over, over, over some boys. Oh, over, yeah, yeah. over some guys. Yeah, you talk to the wrong. You talk to the wrong guy, and all of a sudden, take them back to the states with us. So, but like I said, it was a group of girls. So that's one thing I, I hone in on with our classes is 
don't underestimate or, you know, assume anything. It's not just men that could attack a female stereotypically. Like there's women out there that can also mm. harm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting when you just explore the idea and explore the concept of what self-defense is, the scenarios that uh, I'll put it this way. A lot of firearms and self-defense stuff is kind of sometimes built based on like fear-based marketing, you know, trauma type stuff. And that's really the the realest and most effective way to kind of get the points across, unfortunately. Um, But you see a lot of like the videos and all the different things and maybe statistically a lot of, a lot of guys are the aggressors, but just because somebody doesn't look like a, a stereotypically the problem, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you should, you know, let your guard down and allow yourself to kind of be put in a bad situation. Like I see, man, I see, I see it all the time where it's like, Oh man, like these very stereotypical situations are playing out. And it's like, well, as much as, maybe you're running the numbers and running statistics like, okay, if you're walking, um, walking out the grocery store and you see a weird looking guy, well, he might be the problem, but also what about that girl who approached you in the Walmart? Yep. Cause a, a lot of these criminals and these creeps are, are using, and some of them are run by women cause they're just crazy like that, but mm-hmm. they're using um, tactics that will get your guard down. Yes. Like using women decoys or, you know, mm-hmm even your side of the road, somebody's trying to get help with a flat tire or something like that. Well, why don't you keep an eye out? Make sure no one's going to roll up on you. You know, you see a group of people coming out, put yourself in a defensive posture, but I don't want to monopolize the conversation because we are talking about AFT and what you guys are doing. And I guess the point of it all, because like I said earlier, like what specifically is the point? Obviously, you mentioned that you had a bad experience in in one class, but are you seeing were you seeing enough in all the classes in Florida that you're like, hey, man, you know what? We got to create a women's specific course because yes. women aren't showing up, or like, what, what's the deal? I think it's just it's a very intimidating environment for most women. You know, it's like going back to fitness, not very many women until they've kind of gotten into the fitness thing are going to go into a weight room full of dudes. So it's kind of like the same thing. It's going to be a little bit intimidating, um, especially in the area where we live. A lot of the men are current or former military or they're country boys that grew up, you know, uh, shooting cans and shooting rifles, handguns, hunting, whatever the case may be. A lot of women too. But the point for us was to create a more comfortable learning environment. So women are more adept and wanting to and willing to get that hands-on experience and start carrying or learning self-defense. Because even, um, I guess I didn't share my background earlier, prior to all that, I'm in law enforcement now. And it's like the last two and a half years being in law enforcement, things I see, it just really makes me realize how important it is for women to gain that knowledge and experience, whether it's random acts of violence or domestic violence. Because I respond to domestic violence all the time. Um, so we just, like I said, we want to create a, a comfortable learning environment. And I would say majority of our students usually end up confiding in us something that's happened, whether it was recent or a long time ago, um, you know, because sometimes even our classes trigger certain memories and, and things that happened and it brings out different emotions. And that's the last thing you want is to be in a class full of men shooting a gun for the first time when maybe you were the woman who had a gun pointed at her head at one point and threatened. Mm. 
you know? That actually makes a ton of sense to me, uh, specifically because I, um, and I don't want to, I guess, take too much time sharing the story, but I taught a, I say I taught cameraman Nate, who, if you've been following my work on Armed Atlas, um, he's the guy who runs cameras for me most of the time. So if you see him mess up, that's him. It's all him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing. Sometimes it's me not kind of like putting him in positions to win, but it's him. And he actually brought like six or seven friends up from, you know, where we're from, the city that we're from. And none of them had ever shot guns before. Maybe like one, maybe had at one point. And now we have, I think at the range, six people decided to pull up and we're shooting guns. And one of the questions that I had to make sure I asked is because we, you know, we have a diverse group of people. We have two yeah. girls, like three guys, all from different, you know, kind of walks of life. And the question is like, does anyone here have any sort of firearms trauma, any robberies, any anything that might kind of start manifesting itself once we start shooting guns? And everybody's like, no, no, no. I'm like, are you sure? Because, you know, we want to make sure you're good. I, I don't want to force you to shoot guns if you're not ready. Or, or maybe I can walk you through a little bit slower. They're like, oh, yeah, we're good, good, good. And then one of our guys, he, um, after shooting probably like four or five rounds, the last one, something in him like, snapped not like right. in a violent way but he kind of like he finally hit, he hit the target like he was really struggling to hit the target at first and then he finally mm -hmm. hit the target and said that one felt different I, I felt it and i was like oh good that's good yeah you're feeling it yeah you're you're fine you hit the target that's great and he's like no 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 like i felt it and then he went on to explain later on like something inside me realized that i could kill somebody with this mm -hmm. and like, I was like, uh, I mean, you could, but like, that's, you know, this yeah. is a tool, you know, and really th there's a longer conversation outside of that, but there was something within him that's not quite as extreme as like, Hey, a, a boyfriend or husband, or even, you know, a female partner, um, used a gun against me or I was in a bad situation where there was a firearm present and now there's trauma related, but like mm -hmm. even something within him wasn't ready to, I guess, have that responsibility. And, yeah. you know, and I, I imagine that's something that might come up, maybe not as frequently um, in all classes, but things like that occur where you're having these conversations, you're having to walk people through. Mm -hmm. What are some of the conversations that you're having in your class that um, pretty much you, you start to realize like, hey, this is uh, we need to address this in class? Uh, like as far as like feelings and emotions or yeah, feelings, emotions, firearms, trauma, different things like that. Like you, like you said, um, yeah. So we always start class, especially like our, our, even our Krabhagana combat defense classes. Because the, the what would you call that? Krabhagana. <laughs> so kind of like Krav Maga, there's another style of training called Krabhagana. Okay. Um, start about the same guy who does the counterterrorism school in Las Vegas. So, okay. but to stay on point, cause I could talk about that too. <laughs> Um, we always, we always make that known in the beginning of all of our classes. So, you know, we understand that you've may have been through some trauma, um, cause for the most part, every female has had some point in their life where she's been uncomfortable, maybe not mm -hmm. necessarily being abused, but a situation that wasn't okay. So yeah. we always make that known and that it's okay. Like, Hey, this is what we're doing. We understand some of you may have gone through some trauma, may have some history. If you need to take a break, you need to step to the side, you need to talk to us privately, please, by all means, that's why we're here. Because what we do today could bring out some of those previous memories and feelings 
and that's okay. Like we're going to work through it. We're going to woman up together and we're going to help you push through that and, you know, make yourself even stronger because we had a woman who she was hesitant to take a, a firearms class with us. And she finally did. And she did amazing, but she was scared to be around guns because she watched her ex-husband point a gun at her head and then put it to his own head and kill himself right in front of her. So you never know what someone's experienced and what could come of them, you know, taking the class. So we always want to let them know, Hey, we're here for you. Regardless, we want to help you work past it because at the end of the day, your safety is important to you, your family, your children, the people who rely on you. So let's work together. And this is an environment where it is okay to, you know, be uncomfortable and let us know what's going on. Or you don't have to tell us what's going on. If you want to talk about it, you can, if not, we understand. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's awesome. I'm glad that you guys are able to slow down and, and offer that because like you said, you get, it's a very unique situation and there are people out there who think oh, women's only classes. So you're discriminating against men, especially now with the, the, the public zeitgeist being kind yeah. of like, so toxic in the male versus female relations and it's it's kind of frustrating have you seen that where like guys versus girls online is like a thing yeah it's yeah or i mean i deal with it because i literally have people comment on me that i'm trying to be a man and i will never be a man and i should just you know give up you know Eric made that collaboration video and that's what someone said of me and my sheriff's office you know sheriff's office uh uniform doing pull-ups someone basically said something along the lines of like stop trying to be a man yeah, well, I, I mean, as as far as I've known you, and I've, I, you know, we've interacted briefly. We've had one or two conversations, you know, outside of this one. I've never got that vibe that you're trying to be a man. But hey, you know what? Maybe I, maybe there's something I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm joking. The other thing too, but, like my husband always likes to ask people. He's like, okay, so if you're against your, you know, p- women learning how to shoot guns or learning self defense, so. What about your mother? What about your wife? What about your girlfriend? You don't want them to be protected. You don't want them to be able to fight back if you're not around. You don't want them to be in a comfortable learning environment when they're going through these things. Like put mm-hmm. yourself in, in that position. If it was your mother, your grandmother, your sister, your daughter, wouldn't you want these things for them? And a lot mm-hmm. of times it kind of nips that in the butt. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I'm glad that you're that you guys are able to, you know, really communicate that. Cause the funny thing about like being online and I know your husband's not necessarily, um, well, he might have an online presence that I don't know about, but the, it sounds like these conversations are happening in person, which is hugely important. A lot of what we do online, if you're on Instagram, Facebook, whatever you're on, like those conversations get so wild and so toxic and it's hard to communicate like lovingly and full of grace and compassion and empathy to the point where you're like, you're, you're not trying to be like awful. You're really just trying to tell people like, Hey, listen, I'm trying to tell you, man, like we need to make sure that ladies are good. Like we got to yeah. make sure that they're, you know, they're able to handle themselves. And if you're truly against that, it makes me wonder if you're part of the problem. Like it makes me wonder, I don't know. I don't, am I projecting? No, not no? at all. That ends up being the mindset. If you're going to tell women that they need to rely on a man and they shouldn't have to learn how to defend themselves because they're never going to be strong enough or capable, you know, like people, and then people will give a scenario. Someone did on uh, Ariel and I's collab video and it was like, you'll, if you meet that drunk guy in an alley, like he's going to kill you or rape you pretty much. And it was kind of like, why are you throwing that out there? <laughs> like, My goodness. I actually, yeah. once upon a time, 
and Twitter X is the worst. I just want to throw that out there for everybody. <laughs> like, there's a lot of positive and really good information there, but also there's a lot of people who intentionally their full time job is to just be a troll on Twitter. I don't, I don't get it. Um, somebody once upon a time they were talking. I don't know if it was under Nina De La Flores's post or something like that, but trying to talk about teaching women to make shoot and train and to be strong and um, kind of step into that role of being their own first responder. I'm not sure if it had to do with like some of the combat stuff that we've seen ladies get thrown mm -hmm. into with the Ukraine and um, yeah. the IDF. I know they, they utilize female soldiers as well. Um, and it, the, I suppose where this person went with it when they were seeing these things is, you know, historically, uh, the women who survive are the ones who basically have mothering and wife wiving skills. And basically mm -hmm. they just, you know, after a conquering force comes in, just takes all the women as their own and turns mm -hmm. them into whatever, you know, kind of slave, um, mm -hmm. is there. And I'm just like, is this, is this what you think about all day? Like, it's very telling. Is, is yep. this part of your dream? Like you, you hope yep. one day that you're part of a conquering force and you can finally get yourself a wife. Cause you've been celibate for 35 years and you're tired of it. Yeah. Like, come on, like, come just on. Just going to drag her by her ponytail, like in the old school Flintstone days. Just Oh my goodness, bro. <laughs> Throw her into a kitchen somewhere or, or, or worse. Yeah. Right. And I, it's, it's, it's telling. And I'm, I'm not here to, to bang on the guys, you know, like I, I believe mm -hmm. that there's so many of us who really are encouraging the ladies to, Mm -hmm. you know, step into their role as, as their first responder. Obviously, if you have um, your husband or your brother or somebody there who can kind of be that buffer, because, you know, there's mm -hmm. a, a disparity of force often um, mm -hmm. in men versus women uh, combat type scenarios, um, mm -hmm. maybe utilize that tool. But in, at the end of the day, the, wor the way uh, American society works in many societies around the world, you don't have a man with you 24 seven. No, you don't. And even when you do, things can happen. So I recently, and uh, lately I've been sharing the story with my husband, um, with our students and other people, because a lot of times women will, one of their excuses to not train is I'm always with my husband and he always carries a gun. Okay. Fair to an extent, you know, but my husband and I went to the grocery store what, about two, three months ago. And I kind of talked about it on my Instagram story after it happened. So we went to the grocery store together. We both carry. He went to one side of the store. I went to the other side of the store. So we were still there, but not right next to each other. In that just couple minutes that we were separated, you know, I was walking back to the opposite side of the store to look for him. And you know, when you're like walking down the aisle and you look down for that person and then you walk to the next one, look down. Well, I kept making eye contact with this guy every time I was walking past the next aisle until finally I ended up in the bakery section. I could see my husband on the north side of the store in the dairy getting eggs. So I was like, cool, I'm going to go to the bakery. I want some cookies. Well, the guy I kept awkwardly making eye contact with down each aisle as I'm grabbing cookies he suddenly just kind of appears and he gets really close to me and was just like, Hey, what's up? And he, like, he was very close. Now he didn't put his hands on me. I don't know if he had bad intentions or if he was just gonna hit on me, say hi, be weird. I don't really know, but it just goes to show I was with my husband. We went to the store together and in just those couple minutes, I already had an uncomfortable situation and a guy approached me very closely. So I was just like, Hey, what's up? And I immediately walked away, went right back to my husband. And I told wow. him, I was like, Hey, that guy just kind of like, I don't know if he followed me or what, but he, he definitely made it a point 
to approach me, get in my personal space. And again, I don't know if he had bad intentions or not. Maybe not. Maybe he just wanted to say, hey, I don't know. Can I have your number? Who knows? But it was still weird. And it was still a situation to prove like if you could be with your man or a man or whoever, things can still happen. Absolutely. Um, over on our private community page on locals, you guys can always watch for free there. You watch the extended show. Um, and I'll actually provide the link for those who want to watch the very end of the show. I think we'll end up doing it over there. Um, like a little segment at the end where we just were exclusively over there. Did uh, green gunner D my guy over there, he said, if I'm not around, I can count on my wife to handle business. And when I'm around, she has my six. I don't understand why a man wouldn't want their wife slash girlfriend to be mm-hmm. capable. Um, I'm not sure either. I, I think there might be some insecurities there. Like they feel like if, you know, the world is so lopsided now with like the gender role type stuff that, yeah. it, you know, we have ladies literally going 125% where it's like, I go to work all day and I make half the money and then I come home and I cook and I clean and like, mm-hmm. it's just like workhorse type stuff. Mm-hmm. And now if, if, if they can defend themselves, like, what good are you? You know, that, that's yeah. a question. That's a question I do understand um, if you're feeling insecure about how much you're contributing. That said, contribute more, you know, <laughs> that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be the only thing you're good for. And, and figure that out maybe between you guys as a couple, like mm-hmm. what, what's going to work for you? Why do you have to specifically fill a certain so, so you know, society, gender, stereotype, whatever, like do what works for you guys as a couple, you know, because I yeah. can still rely on my husband for certain things that I can't or don't want to do as a woman, but I still want to be able to kick some ass and defend myself and be like, Hey honey, can you go change the oil on my car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I was, I was just talking about that today. There's this meme going around where, um, girls, when they, when they're around their guy, um, they literally will walk around kind of like a little bit dainty, like, Oh, he's got everything. But yeah, you know, it's like one of those things. Like, how true is that? How true is that for the girls who are true self defenders? I think mm-hmm. you're always going to have a bit of an instinct, but maybe you can relax a little bit more knowing that it's not just you. Um, yeah. So, one of the, I guess, let's let's hop into some of these questions because I'm really wanted to just dive right in here. Um, so, one thing that I, I I noticed this, and you talked about this at some point. Um, is there's more than one way to teach. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Specifically, you guys have a, an interesting thing that you do, I guess, because a lot of these ladies have a hard time managing recoil and a lot of them have little bit tiny baby guns and little mm-hmm. baby guns. You might need to get a little bit more of an enhanced grip. Um, and, and there's an old school style of grip where you can put your finger over the trigger guard and mm-hmm. it doesn't look as cool. Like it's not as sexy. Let's just be real. Um, and a lot of guys don't think it's effective. Although mm-hmm. I have been told by uh, master multi-time multi-time master level USPSA um, champ, you know, winner, he, he does it all that the putting your finger over the trigger guard um, as in like, you know, getting mm-hmm. a, an extended yeah. grip on right. it. It is effective if you, if you have a little tiny baby gun and you're having a hard time with the recoil. Mm-hmm. So I, I've heard that it's fine through somebody, but I've also seen people who, kind of down on it. Do people attack you online for that when they see videos of your class? Um, Sometimes, not as much anymore. When we first came out a few years back, I feel like it was. Um, and we actually had a student um, 
go to another shooting range and was shooting like that. And one of the instructors there was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, that's not, you're not supposed to do that. And so she's like, okay, so then just let me ask, why are there little grooves on the front of the trigger guard for, uh, you know, on the front there? And he was like, um, 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 it's because you put the trigger guard up against the corner of the wall when you need to shoot. I was like, what? Okay. So, you know, he just kind of pulled something, I think, out of his butt last minute um, in regards to her question. So the good old booty pool. <laughs> yeah. But even with that, like at the end of the day, it's shooter preference. And we're going to watch and see how you perform one way or another. What works best mm-hmm. for you? We don't say, oh, it's going to work better for you. You should put your finger over the trigger guard because you're a female and you have, you know, probably natural, naturally weaker grip and forearm strength, which usually true. But It works for a lot of our students, but it doesn't always work for a lot of our students. So this is an option. It's not the way, it's a way. Try it, like it, because sometimes I'll have a student try the finger over the trigger guard, but they don't lock it in and then that finger is just floating around and not serving its purpose. Mm -hmm. But um, teach their own. Try it, see if you like it. I like it. But now being in law enforcement, I have a light on my gun. I can't wrap my finger around the trigger guard. So I've adapted to more of the natural grip. But prior, I always had my finger around the trigger guard and I was more accurate and I had more stability with my gun in my hands for me. Worked for me and it worked for a lot of our students. And I think people should recognize that part where it's like for you, it worked for you. You have Mm -hmm. some sort of data or evidence to kind of prove Mm -hmm. to yourself that this is going to be effective because there's a lot of things I was, I did a a mini review. Anybody who's on locals will kind of have seen that um, where I was looking at the hollow sun EPS optic versus the uh, SCS solar powered version versus the enclosed. There's, you know, definitely check it out because it's, there's some cool tech and I was talking about how a lot of people are kind of uncomfortable with the concept of the solar powered. It's like, it's got an internal battery. You can't take it out. Solar powered, um, Mm -hmm. recharging. Like it's, it's some new tech Mm -hmm. and a lot of guys in the gun world, they don't like new tech. They're barely Mm -hmm. getting used to red dots. (laughs) And I said, well, Aaron Cowan from Sage Dynamics, the king of red dot reviewers, like people go to him to watch his videos. Um, he's, he likes it. So, Mm -hmm. But even still, if you don't like it, you shouldn't get it, even if he yeah. likes it. Like, yeah. even if, you know, I mean, I was going to say if God himself said, if God himself says to do that, then you should probably grip the gun how he says to do it. But on the other on the other side, like if Jerry Michelak, a world champion pistol shooter, if he says to grip a gun a certain way, he's probably got an idea of what he's talking about. But mm-hmm. ultimately, how you shoot the gun best um, is how you shoot the gun. I recommend people set up a video camera put it Mm -hmm. on and slow it down so you can see like how the gun is working in your hands to kind of get a great idea of if if you what you're doing for yourself is actually working so Mm -hmm. just a thought how how do you you, have you done that yet done i'm sorry go ahead and say what you're going to say i was going to say i mean you'll see it all over social media with people's videos i see people with their thumbs completely hitchhike and up Mm -hmm. you know above the slide and it works just fine whereas some people do that and they have less control and you have the people who have their thumbs straight, but at the end of the day, people end up kind of finding their own groove with their own hand placement and what they work on and it works for them. I've seen yeah. people shoot and hit a bullseye every time and they're, you know, they're sticking their hips forward and leaning back versus kind of getting into your weapon and having a more solid mm-hmm. stance, but they hit the bullseye every time. Like I, Absolutely. I don't Absolutely. it, but 
it works. Right. I mean, I'm telling you, you're absolutely right. Even on that, because every once in a while, I let my my posture, my shooting posture, kind of like get kind of bad. Where I'm like, okay, my my shoulder blades are back, and I look kind of cool, but I'm not. I'm, mm-hmm. Like in reality, it's a bad shooting stance, um, mm-hmm. according to physics, right? And those are some of my best. So, sometimes I'm like, man, I'm you know, the, the gun stayed super flat. I was hitting the target. I was doing my thing, but in other times you know depending on the distance depending on different things it can kind of switch and switch so i you know get out there and train and train as much yeah. as you can and you exactly. know try to try to get some feedback go to multiple training courses you know go mm-hmm. go go down to florida and visit uh um hey <laughs> sorry <laughs> hi and uh go go train with katrina because i think obviously you're going to be well served with like a, a broader span of influence and a broader span of education. It's just so, learn from everybody. Take what you like, take what you don't like. And we always even encourage our students, go train with other places, go train with other instructors. You know, mm-hmm. you can never have too much training and knowledge. Yeah. And then keep what you like. You toss out what maybe you don't like and you're gonna learn a little bit from everybody. So let's let's talk about this. What inspired you to um, become a cop? Because that's kind of a weird career for a girl, especially considering like your height. Yeah. How, t- how tall are you? Five six. Okay, so you you're not like a midget. Can no. you still use that word? Is that you're not a little person? Okay, but you're but you're also super light. Obviously, you got a you know kind of a muscular build for somebody who's small. When I say muscular, you've got strength. I can see that you have strength. Um, I wouldn't try to pick a fight with you, even though I, I think I could win. Um, what inspired you to get into a profession where you're going to see conflict and you may just see combat? In fact, you've seen some combat recently. Um, what, what, what made you say, I want to do this for real? Um, honestly, it was a combination of things. So prior to law enforcement, I was doing personal training and fitness. Um, thanks to COVID that kind of killed the fitness industry and, my job at the time, I lost, you know, a huge percentage of my income and it was just kind of hard to stay on my feet with that. So I was thinking, okay, I need a job with stability. And honestly, in law, uh, I've always had law enforcement as an idea on the back burner, just never pursued it. Even as a kid growing up, for whatever reason, my family was always like, oh, Katrina's probably going to be a cop. Like she likes to be tough and do that kind of stuff. And I, don't know, I just, I never did. I never pursued it. But then, um, not only did I need a job with stability, of course, but I was like, you know what? I love helping people. I like being a part of the community. Personal training does that. I'm helping people on a different level, but being in law enforcement, I also have the opportunity to be involved in the community and help people in a different way, you know, and be a positive influence in the community as well as help people with their problems. Um, you know, and I think some people will argue that there shouldn't be women in law enforcement, totally different conversation I'm not going to get into, but I disagree. So I was like, I think I could bring something to the table that's different um, in the law enforcement world out here. And I I love it. And I get to serve on the beach unit. So my personal training came in handy because then I was asked to join the beach marine unit because I had to get lifeguard and EMT certified. So I'm also responsible for um, water rescues, which means my physical fitness is extremely important in my role. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's interesting. And I know you said you weren't going to get into it, but reality is a lot of women, 
if you're going to get into a fist fight, squaring up with a guy, if he has any amount of training, size, you know, pound for pound, mm-hmm. guys are, are if, if we're betting Las Vegas style, the, um, my, my money's on the guy. My money's on the guy. I'll, I'll just say that. I don't disagree. I will never disagree with that. Absolutely. Like, again, I'm five, 625 pounds and I go up against a dude that's 300 pounds, you know, six, four. I, I have to go deadly force on something like that. That's more of yeah. a law enforcement conversation, but that's just how it is, you know, yeah. but sometimes women um, were able to bring a situation down because yeah. we are women and maybe she has the gift of gab or she just brings a different mindset and emotion and environment mm-hmm. to that situation. So, cause I've had a lot of times where I've been able to talk down a situation, especially a drunk person and get the situation kind of calmed down. And then you get a guy in there and starts running his mouth and gets them all hyped up again. I'm like, man, yeah. I had this under control. <laughs> like I had this come on, bro. No, I, I completely understand what you, what you're trying to get at, especially when you consider like, man, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. The guy who, um, I went and got my security certifications through. He said, a woman on your team is worth her weight in gold. And for the exactly the same reasons you mentioned, you know, if you're working and you're running into certain situations where there's somebody um, on a premises that's not supposed to be there, um, perhaps, or even in a very like, you know, social situation, say you're at, a, you're at an event and some kind of a strange guy's there, perhaps just depending on the situation, depending on your risk, um, the the lady can make the first approach and mm-hmm. really just kind of send this person packing, you know, pr- project a certain amount of sweetness or a certain amount mm-hmm. of, uh, like you said, the gift of gab and really just not escalate things versus a guy, you know, I'm, I'm 5'11 and mm-hmm. maybe a half. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. I'll just say I'm 5'11. But people, mm-hmm. um, I would say six foot with shoes on, right? Um, the issue is, and I have a, a pretty broad shoulder build, I'm a black dude. So if I walk up to somebody and maybe they're a little bit nervous anyways, mm-hmm. I don't know that unless I'm literally smiling and laughing on my way over there, that they will feel any sort of level of comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the same way that once the blue lights come on behind your car, you have a little bit of a panic attack. I wonder if you still get yeah. that. But like for me, there's certain situations where I, if a girl approached me, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not worried. Versus yeah. a guy, it's like, oh, this guy, what's what's he all about? I'm, I'm sizing him up, like, automatically. Yep. Yeah. And that's something that we do is automatically size each other up. So I, I understand there's a need, especially in domestic situations, where it's like, hey, mm-hmm. you get the girl, go over there, guy, go over there, mm-hmm. get the information. The guy, you know, maybe your, your male coworker, he's in, you know, mission mode, and then mm-hmm. you see something that um, your intuition or your, your senses are picking things mm-hmm. up that he's just missing I could definitely see a point to having ladies on the force and I'm never going to say they shouldn't. Although I have seen situations where there's oh, yeah. three chicks slightly out of shape, unfortunately, or, or trying to fight one guy. Yeah. I saw it's that like, one. <laughs> oh, no. And truthfully, we have videos of three guys fighting one guy and still losing. So it's not mm-hmm. like, like, let's be real. Yeah. Let's be real. It can happen yeah. to either one, but it just looks extra yeah. bad when it's a chick. You know what I mean? Completely agree. Totally. I don't disagree with that at all. All right. I've, I've monologued enough. Um, I apologize making it about me when it's definitely, um, I think it's a good conversation, but I, I do want to give you a little bit more time to talk. So 
This is a good question. Um, I wanted to talk about concealed carry as a more petite person. We've talked mm-hmm. about it before. You have a harder time concealing in the state of Florida um, when, you know, larger guns or even like regular sized guns or whatever. What's your, what's your experience been like? I, I don't want to talk for you. What's your experience been like? Concealed yeah, carry. I mean, um, honestly, I love to share my experiences with that on social media. So for anyone who's been following me, we'll see. And I even make jokes about it and people... <laughs> People make jokes about me, which just, I don't know, gives me more fuel to make funny videos. Um, Cause I'll joke like I, again, yes, I am a small flat thin person. So concealed carry looks different on everybody. It looks different on me every single day. Sometimes I purse carry, sometimes I body carry. Living in the state of Florida, it's hot, it's humid. In the summertime, it is very hard for me to carry on my body because unless I'm wearing thick layers, I print. I, I carry a Glock 43X and I carry a Ruger LCP Max. Ruger LCP Max is very, very small. And even then, I have a hard time in certain outfits um, without, you know, printing. I print in almost everything I wear, especially in the summertime. So I'm a huge advocate to just share my experiences and say, hey, you got to do what works best for you. And like, I even make a joke. I, I'm okay with it. I, I'm a flat chested female. So that makes it harder for me. A lot of times women who have more of a chest can conceal carry better because their chest sticks out and their gun can sit in their midsection and be kind of covered up by the shirt, you know, puckering out. I can't, I put my gun anywhere on my chest and it literally sticks out more than my personal chest. So, you know, just kind of makes things obvious. Um, Sorry. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm laughing with you, I promise. Oh no, it's fine. I'm I'm happy to be open about it because I know there's still a percentage of women out there that can directly relate to my well, stroke. Well, so. I mean, there there absolutely is. There absolutely is, and I don't think we should discount those people or make them feel like like they have to go to the dark web to find answers. Right? Like, it's 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 absolutely there. One of my buddies, he um, I always joke, my guy, he had a very restrictive diet, so he couldn't really just eat just anything he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he ended up kind of having what I would call the chest of a 10 year old boy. And <laughs> you're laughing like you've heard this one before. No, but, but... <laughs> no, it's, um, and I'm like, man, like he got a Glock 19, got an RMR, got a light laser combo, got an appendix holster. He was so excited. Yeah. He put it on and was just like, boom. He looked like he was, yeah. um, he looked like he had a tumor. I'm like, man, like you good down there? Like you happy to see, like, what's going on? You know? And like, he was like, man, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You just spent a hundred bucks on a holster. And reality is like, he had to switch to four o'clock carry, which, you know, I love appendix carry. I think it's great. Um, but if you don't have kind of like the right peaks and valleys, it, you know, we had a conversation with the owner of Philster and, you know, they Philster yeah. preaches the peaks and valleys principles where, you know, the peaks, you know, like say you're bust or if you have a big chest or whatever it is, um, that creates the peak and creates the drape and, or, or, you know, where your stomach ends and your hips mm-hmm. meet or vice versa, whatever you want to say, like peaks and valleys. Right. Yeah. Um, he just didn't have any, he had no yeah. peaks and no valleys. I feel for him. I feel you. <laughs> no, and it's it's understandable. So, but let, like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it, like for real. Like, what's the solution for you? What have you found works best for you? Because clearly, you're not going to carry a Glock 45 or a Glock 17 on your on your pelvic no. bone. No, 
I can if it's wintertime right now and I've got a big hoodie and a vest on. So honestly, my concealed carry every day. So I have the flashbang holster. Um, but even then I have to wear a shirt with pattern and print and that's more flowy because I can't wear it in a regular fitted shirt. Cause if you're mm-hmm. bustier and the gun sits underneath, it's hidden because you have boobs. I don't have any. So like I said, it sticks out further than my chest. So depending on my shirt, I, or I'll appendix carry. If I've got a really, really flowy top or a hoodie, I can appendix carry on my belt. I've tried the filster. I can wear filster with sweatpants. If I wear filster with jeans, I have a bulge. So it really just depends. Mm -hmm. Or, um, I love a brand it's called Zendira. Um, whoever follows me will see, I talk about her all the time. And she has a, like a crossbody fanny pack bag with magnetic access. And that is my go-to about 95% of the time, because I can wear it with any outfit. I can wear it over a sports bra. I can wear it with a crop top. I can wear it with winter clothes. I practice with it. I train with it. I take it to the range. Um, it's a good quality product and it works for me. And I love it because her magnetic access makes it quick and convenient to access my firearm versus a mm-hmm. zipper. And it doesn't have that tactical look. I feel like, and I love all the new fanny pack, fanny pack bags that people have, but I feel like they all kind of look very similar. Mm-hmm. And once you have one, it's kind of like, Oh, yep. That person totally has a firearm. In their right. Bag. What's, what's that? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's in the uh, once upon a time in Hollywood and he's whistling and pointing out the TV. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yep. up, 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 up. I see it. Yeah. Um, so one I use, uh, so I've got it right here. It's kind of got more of a feminine uh, look to it. So yeah, I can dress like something, it up. I can dress it down. Uh, something a girl would carry, yeah. And then you've got the magnetic access. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I guess you can assume anyone who carries a fanny pack is probably packing, possibly. It crosses uh, my mind. You know, but I feel like that one's a little less threatening, you know, or people mm-hmm. are less likely to assume I've got a firearm on me, but. Yeah, it definitely. I, I like that design. I like that look. What are the limitations? Because I know we, we, we hype we hype these these products up. What are the limitations? Mm-hmm. And after we get done talking about this particular product, I have a question from one of our, our listeners or um, a person who sent in a voicemail for us to listen to on the costly hotline. So let's mm-hmm. go ahead and uh, answer that question and get through to it. What are the limitations of a product like that in your uh, loadout? Um, so a purse carry is always going to be a little bit slower. I mean, Mm. it's, however, you know, you could still get hung up on your shirt when you're doing an appendix carry. It's all going to have its pros and its cons. Um, with purse carry, of course, you have the argument of taking your purse off, setting it down. And now you just exposed your bag to be stolen or someone trying to grab it and using that as a form of, you know, attacking you, grabbing your bag. Um, and theft that, you know, people always say, don't carry in a purse. It's going to get stolen. Now the bad guy has your gun. Fair point. You know, don't be irresponsible. That all comes down to situational awareness. If you're not paying attention to your surroundings and you let someone get that close to you, then yeah, that could be a possibility. Um, you could get hung up possibly if you don't train with it and you, you struggle to get mm-hmm. your gun out. But same thing with a, a clothing carrier, a body carry. You could get hung up if you've got multiple layers on. So you you just have to train with however you carry. If you don't train, you're not going to be prepared. You got to build that muscle memory. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you said that because Corleon Noir did an interview with a guy who, I guess he was running an online jewelry store of sorts and deli- hand delivered um, or was hand delivering, uh, uh, I guess, doing an exchange, you know, money mm-hmm. for goods type of situation. 
and he gets out the car and there's like three guys in a car and they get out and they're getting ready to rob him. Mm-hmm. And he pulls out the firearm and begins, you know, the self-defense um, mm-hmm. scenario, you know, everything starts playing out. And he said his optic actually got snagged on his clothing on, on the way out. Although he did um, get rounds on target and he did um, end up, um, or one of the, one of the attackers ended up deceased. I'll put it like mm-hmm. that. The, uh, then later on he was like, yeah, I took my optic off and I started practicing with my self-defense rounds more because self-defense rounds are a little snappier, a little hotter. And it's like, Okay, so his real world experience and and actually using his tools, the snag occurred and he Mm -hmm. found, you know, ways that it just doesn't work for him. And, you know, I I don't know if I agree with taking your optic off. I think, you know, if you're going to have an optic, you you may be a little bit better off. Um, But in his in his experience, he doesn't want it anymore. And it's his right to go go with or without. I I don't know if I've seen you shoot with the bag. Do you have videos on your Instagram where you're. Um, live firing with the bag have you have you done that yes, yet I have, I have a lot so um i actually have a video from a couple of weeks ago and it was edc carry training so i practiced mm-hmm. with my flashbang holster i practiced with my appendix holster and i practiced with my purse i practiced because those are the three main ways that i carry depending on my mm-hmm. outfit what i'm doing for the day so, do you feel yeah. like and, and i would love if you could post that in your stories if anybody sure. you know you know, through the next day or so wants to go check that out, they'll be able to see it quickly. Um, but do you feel that your muscle memory, cause as, as a cop, you carry your gun at uh, the three o'clock position mm-hmm. in a very specific place as a civilian, you can, you might carry your gun in appendix. You might carry your gun, um, mm-hmm. more high, highest appendix being, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the chest region, you might carry the gun cross body, which requires a different draw even still. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that you'll be ready in a self-defense scenario to off of instinct and muscle memory reach in the correct area? Yeah. I mean, it's, I actually think about that a lot. Um, yeah. and it's just one of those, you, you have to be conscious. It's almost like, you know, you want to be able to carry comfortably to where you don't think about it, but you are thinking about it. Cause I actually did that one day. I walked up the street to the grocery store. I was using my concealed carry purse just for my wallet and my personal belongings, but I had my gun appendix on my belt. And I was like, this is probably not a good idea because I'm so used to drawing from the purse. I'm mm-hmm. carrying that purse. If something happened, is my muscle memory going to know to go for my appendix, even though I'm carrying my concealed carry purse? Like, is my brain and my body going to coordinate the correct communication to draw Mm -hmm. from the right spot? I don't want to reach into my purse and be like, oh, crap, I didn't put it in my purse today. I'm wearing it on my appendix or, you know. So for me personally, when I leave the house, however I carry, I do a minimum of three dry fires before I leave the house to hopefully kind of just be like, okay. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. This is how I'm prepared for the day. And I mean, I would like to hope that if I find myself in that situation, my brain and my body are going to work together and do the right thing. So. But your duty as a, as a civilian and being a, a local cop, you know, in your jurisdiction, mm-hmm. um, it re- pretty much compels you to respond even to situations where you, you might've been able to remove yourself from like the average person, um, we, we sometimes, depending on who you are, we say like, Hey, listen, like if you find yourself in a situation where you're not directly involved, remove yourself and, you know, ask for help. Don't like hunt down the bad guy trying to be a hero. 
a lot of the times that's what we teach. Some other people will teach it differently, but most of the time I don't personally recommend people who will have less than the adequate amount of training or responsibility just try to be a hero and run run three city blocks down and try to go find, down a bad guy. Um, it's just not really um, yeah. recommended for most people. Yeah. For you, you do have more of a duty to respond. Am I, am I wrong about that? No, yeah, you still, I mean, you swear on an oath when you become a law enforcement officer that you have a duty to act. So, and that yeah. can be on duty, off duty. Of course, it's all situational, but for the most part, and it's, it's almost expected by the public, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those things. Well, Is oh, there well, a nurse on this airplane? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that person's a cop, so they have to react. Now, I know yeah. there's controversy in the public as far as the whole constitute, I, you know, whatever about yeah, law with the Supreme Court, no duty respond you know but and then it all comes down to the individual you know so it it would be hard to say what each individual person is going to do in that moment because i mean look there's even people who are in law enforcement that don't react appropriately to certain situations and there's some who do very well under pressure Mm -hmm. or have the training and you know the ability to react to a certain crisis and there's some people fight or flight just sucks and they just freeze up and they're completely Ooh. worth, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I definitely want to talk about your fight or flight. Um, and I hopefully you have good things to report. If not, tr- be honest. Um, but before we do that, I do want to pull up a, um, a question from our guest, uh, whichever one comes, I didn't label these. So whichever one comes up, cool. <laughs> one second, one second. How can I better prepare myself mentally for when I go into law enforcement? Oh, That's a they really good they didn't leave their name. Um, or actually, I think that was Audrey. But I, I don't. What was? What, what do you? What do you think about that? I mean, just life experience. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, the more life experience you have under your belt, the better off you're going to do. Like for me, I started law enforcement late. I started in my mid thirties when I went through the academy, Mm -hmm. but I have already worked, you know, lots of different jobs. I've traveled to different countries, lived in different countries. So I feel like that benefited me prior to getting into law enforcement because I've already been exposed to so many different walks of life, so many different cultures, so many different places that it's made me more well-rounded to be able to communicate with people in the public and deal with different situations and be more, whether it's empathetic or, um, you know, knowledgeable, you know, so it life experience, the more you can do, the more you can travel, the more you, more you can expose yourself to is going to help you because, you know, and a lot of people think, okay, well, I got to be prepared because I'm going to see dead bodies. I'm going to see child abuse. I'm going to see domestic violence. I'm going to see death. Yeah, you will. And I can't tell you, you know, what's the best way to prepare because until you see it, you don't know really how your mind and your body are going to react. Like I had never seen a dead body in real life until getting into law enforcement. And there's some people, they see that first dead body and they immediately are like, yep, nope, this isn't for me. And it's respectable. Like, at least, you know, what's, what works for you, what doesn't for me, I saw my first dead body and it looked like a wax figurine out of a wax museum. And it was a suicide gunshot to the temple with a revolver. So not to get gory, you know, one eyeballs over here and there's brains on the, on the ceiling. And I was kind of like, 
that almost looks like a Halloween prop, but that's how I internally took it. Oh, I, that's how you dealt I, with it. Yeah. And so, and then I remember I was in field training. My field training officer was nervous because she's like, great, I've got this new rookie cop, never seen a dead body. This could be a disaster. What if she throws up on the crime scene? Like, oh God, what could happen? And so I, I was like, huh, okay. And I'm looking at it. We did our, you know, took pictures. We're waiting for the medical examiner. I went back and sat in the car. I was hungry and I ate my mushy oatmeal that I packed for breakfast. And she's like, are you really eating oatmeal right now? Like you can eat, you have an appetite. And I was like, yeah, I came home, told my husband, I saw my first dead body and I went to sleep and, you know, I didn't have any problems. So I don't know, but that's speaking for me. Everyone reacts to things differently. Now, I might have a case that's completely different, maybe like a dead child or something that I personally haven't seen yet. And it it could, you know, bring more emotion out of me and affect me yeah. differently. Yeah. So. I mean, everybody, you know, has to either cope or will respond to things mm -hmm. differently. And you, you kind of hope that in that moment you'll respond appropriately. Um, yeah. Kind of going back to the conversation we were having about um, concealed carry and things like that, and kind of almost pivoting a little bit into your Instagram career as a, as a, a gun bunny or something. I'm just kidding. Um, as, as an Instagram model of sorts, we all are like, this is the reality of the situation is if you take pictures of yourself and put them online, you're an Instagram model now. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. yep. So here's a, here's a question from a mutual friend. And I think, uh, let's, let's hope it plays the way I hope it does. Let me know if it, doesn't sound right. Hey, Katrina, it's Ariel from A Concealed Life. I know you and I get very frustrated with influencer concealment trickery and games, essentially making the product seem much better at concealing than reality. I would love for you to talk about why in particular this frustrates you. Hey, let me know if yeah. that came through okay, because it was a little bit quiet on my end. But yeah, that was... Uh, Good, Good question, question, Ariel. And um, yeah, because her and I, we do discuss this a lot, actually. Um, when we see different two-way influencers, female influencers post concealed carry options um, that work for them, but sometimes they're super unrealistic. Like I've, and I made a video, I think about a year ago, kind of joking on that because I saw one and she had a little crop top on with her belly showing and some jeans. And she's like, how do I conceal carry in this outfit? She mm -hmm. put a a gun on a belt, put it on her belly and then put a jacket on. And I was like, you, you just changed your entire outfit. You gave someone the idea that you were about to conceal carry in a crop top and jeans. And then you put a jacket on like that kind of, to me, that defeated the purpose of what I thought what I was going to see. So Ariel said trickery. So sometimes it is. And I think, you know, so when I do my videos, I'll put my arms up, I move around, I jump, I move my hips. I want to be as realistic as I can for what I might be doing that day. Now, if I'm just going to be sitting in a chair all day, yeah, my short, my shirt can maybe be a little bit short, but I always like to test it. If I lift my arms up and it exposes any part of my holster or my gun, now I'm about mm -hmm. to lie to people on Instagram being like, this is how I conceal carry, but I can't reach for something at the top shelf on a, in the grocery store. Or I can't, you know do certain movements without showing it. Um, and it's not, you know, it's no longer concealed. So I, I find it frustrating. A lot of it is good content, but a lot of it is just marketing their page and a product and not being a hundred percent truthful with what they actually do. 
Yeah, I, I would say there's there's something of that that we do need to be aware of. I mean, when I was first getting started in the concealed carry thing and, you know, it was like, okay, when, especially when switching to appendix because four o'clock position, you can barely see the gun mm-hmm. yourself to really judge to see like, am, am I printing? But when I started carrying appendix, my, my question to myself was like, man, like, is it supposed to look like this? Like what, what's it supposed to, what's it supposed to look like? Yeah. Like how much am I getting away with and how much is like just public, um, Mm -hmm. I guess, um, being conditioned white or just not, not really knowing what they're looking at. So they just kind of, it just kind of goes over their head. Mm -hmm. Um, how much, how much printing is okay. Like how much it's like those questions and Mm -hmm. people would be like, yeah, I just got this new holster. It's great. And then they would kind of stand perfectly still and then uh-huh. turn side profile, stand perfectly still. I'm like, well, what about when the wind blows? You know? Yes. <laughs> what about when the wind blows? Like, what am I supposed to do? Because I'll be walking up to church, or like walking up the little hill, and the mm-hmm. wind is blowing directly on, on me. I'm just like, my God. Yeah. I'm printing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then, yeah, it's, you know, and depending on where you live, because there's people who live in an open carry state. So mm-hmm. technically, they could carry, you know, where yeah, but maybe you don't want to though care about printing. they're like okay well i don't really care about printing because i live in an open carry so people are probably gonna assume i have a gun anyways cool mm-hmm. fair if that's what you want to do that's what you want to do yeah i live in an area where if you unintentionally show your firearm someone's gonna call 911 and be like that person brandished their firearm okay me lifting up my shirt and you accidentally seeing it that's not a criminal offense that's not me that's not the same thing as me threatening me being like hey what's up you want to take this outside you know mm-hmm. <laughs> criminal but. offensive side eye uh hilarious no that's um that's 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 interesting and of course the brandishing conversation that's also an interesting one where i've i've seen so many guns that i wasn't really meant to see a lot yeah. of handymans they'll conceal carry firearms and they will not care if you see their gun no, like butt cream, you know, right out. like they have no shame like none like bro i don't want to see all that like i mean the gun i mean i just i just think you're either cool or i, I worry about your level of training either one either yeah. way you know you just get out there practice and i'll be a little bit uh happier as a human being so yeah. we're i guess we're at a point where we can start kind of um wrapping up to switch over to the uh, locals only feed, but there's maybe like one or two more questions that I definitely want to talk about. We well, we already talked about the females in in crop tops. Do you ever wear crop tops? Is that a thing that you do? Heck yeah, I live in crop tops in the summertime because, you know, and I've, I I I hear the argument that says you need to dress to, um, you know, conceal carry appropriately. Mm-hmm. Dressing on your gun. Yeah, you need to dress for your gun. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a better way to say it. Okay. Give and take, all right? Okay. I I work out. I'm proud of my muscles and my body. I'm going to be, you know, egotistical, I guess, on that point. I'm proud of what I've okay. accomplished. I like to wear my crop tops. It's hot. I live in Florida. I'm not always in layers. You know, if I lived in the Northwest or something where it's cold or up North, yeah, I can get away with it. So, yeah, I, I like to wear crop tops. I, I wear crop tops a lot. <laughs> and I don't wear high-waisted jeans. Well. I have noticed that some girls who wear crop tops will, will pair it with the high-waisted jeans. I guess that's kind of a look, which is, you know, everyone's their, their prerogative, however you want to do it. Um, 
Now, I guess the, the question is like, when you are in the crop top, like what's, what's the concealed carry? Are, did you leave your gun at home or like, how, how are you carrying? Are you just going to go ahead and just leave it there? Appendix, let everybody see it. Yeah, I keep huh? it where the sun don't shine. I'm just kidding. Hilarious. You're, you're so funny. I'll do that. There's uh, criminals uh, who do that. Um, oh my gosh. That's where I use my, my fanny pack or my purse carry, or sometimes my flashbang. Like this shirt specifically with all the print and the dark color, I can get away with my Ruger LCP Max and my flashbang and you won't really notice it too much. So, do you shoot the LCP Max pretty well? Like how do you, how do you like that specifically? I don't shoot it as well as my Glock 43X, um, but I'm getting a lot better at it. I'm not good at shooting it long distance. I will completely admit that, but I'd like to think that if I have to pull my gun in a self-defense situation, it's probably going to be more of a close quarter combat situation more than likely. Um, but then you can never plan for when you're going to have to pull your gun. You don't know. Yeah, you, you never know. And obviously, you could what if the world. Yeah, you could what if situations all day. And that's mm -hmm. also what, you know, annoys me with concealed carry is because depending no matter how you carry what outfit you wear on body purse carry, you get the what if people that are like, well, what if someone does this? What if some? what if I don't know how you don't know how someone's going to attack you or harm you or give you a reason to pull your firearm? You can't right. predict what no, you, you can't. You know, one one of the interesting things that I've run into with um, posting my guns online, because you know I'm a two way influencer per se, and do some advocacy, some advocate work, um, making sure that the message gets out there. I, I consider what we do with the podcast a form of advocacy and making sure that the the two way propaganda lives on. You can't kill the signal because we're everywhere, right? That said, when you post your guns online, people have thoughts comments some of them will be like oh my gosh i love that gun and others will be like well i see you still have your plastic sights on that glock you should definitely switch those out for metal sights and i'm oh, like yeah. who's yeah. paying for that because i still don't have uh -huh. a deal with ameriglow come on ameriglow email me back but uh -huh. you know and yeah. and so i have a, a holocene eps it's enclosed i uh, believe like 7075 aluminum green dot optic and i can point shoot really mm -hmm. really well that said, if you get into a situation where for some reason your dot goes down um, and you have to revert to your iron sights, I guess this is people's thoughts like, oh, if your dot fails, when your dot shouldn't fail, but it can, I've seen them fail. Um, yeah. And and point of me saying all this is like people, literally they saw my gun and they saw that I still have my plastic sights on. They were like, where's your um, metal sights? I'm like, man, this gun costs more than every gun you own. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't. But, like, bro, like, you, you can't make cool. them happy. Yeah, you're not too cool enough in the 2A community. You don't have all the high-end stuff. And then, right. well, like, I got to get metal sites. Of training versus accessories. There's so many people with all these high-end accessories, but they're not very good at using their firearms. So, you know. Yeah. No, you're absolutely correct. In fact, I see certain people with brand new guns like every other day, and mm -hmm. to I hardly ever see them. I hardly ever see them shoot, and when I do see them shoot, they never show their targets. No, nope. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to dog anybody. Like you mm -hmm. can shoot, and you, maybe you don't feel like artistically it looks cool enough to show your target because it just doesn't add anything. Mm -hmm. But like. I never see your target ever. Like you never talk about what you're working on. You never admit that you pulled a shot to the left, you know, like, yeah. you know, you, you don't say like, man, I'm, I'm not as good with this gun just because it doesn't ergonomically suit me. So I kind of shoot crazy with it. Like, 
I, I think we should be a little bit more honest in the gun space about what we're doing, where we are, how mm -hmm. far we've come and maybe where we've regressed. Cause there's weeks I don't dry fire and I go to the range and my first yeah. shot is low and to the left. You know? mm -hmm. I agree. And I think it's because everyone's so afraid of getting trolled because you have to be perfect on social media. And so there is a lot of respect for people who put content out there that does show their bloopers, their mistakes, their learning, their progress, their good days, their bad days. I respect that. I like when people show their mess ups. I like yeah. when people show bloopers. Shoot, my blooper videos get more likes than <laughs> my regular content. But, you know, but there is. I think people just don't want to put stuff out there showing them not being 100% perfect because that's when the internet trolls and the armchair quarterbacks immediately take to you have that $5,000 gun and you suck or, you know, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's true. You know, it's funny that you say that. Cause when I first started this podcast, um, I, it was a video podcast from the very beginning. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm not gonna really focus on making sure that my mustache is perfect and my beard is trimmed just right. Every single time. I know there's guys who shave before every mm -hmm. show. I'm not going to do that. Cause one day if my mustache has a, a wild hair somewhere, I don't want to feel like I did something wrong or have internet trolls come at me. I want to set the expectation right now that I'm not going to look perfect every single time. You're and human. really that, that was more for me than it was for them really. But um, now I'm a little bit better about trying to keep things trimmed up a little bit more. But like you said, I'm human, right? And mm -hmm. it, do you have anything like that, you, that you've done in your life that's kind of like that where you're just like, I'm going to do this to kind of like send a message to the haters? Yes. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if whoever watches my Instagram story pretty frequently, like I wear fake eyelashes, I'm not going to hide it. I do my own fake eyelashes. And uh, so there's days where I put my little story up and I have makeup and lashes on. There's some days I don't have anything on. Mm -hmm. um, I did a, an Instagram story a few weeks back where I was training for work and we swim train in the Gulf, in the water, oh, the mm -hmm. ocean, what do you want to call it? And it was a rough day, so it was a perfect training day because that's what I have to do. I have to jump into the Gulf when it's horrible conditions and pull somebody that's unconscious. So I did a little selfie like before training and I had my lashes on and I'm all smiles. And then I did a post training. That day tore all my lashes off because the water was so horrendous. My hair is all, you know, messed up. <laughs> so I put it out there. I was like, oh, yeah, this is me post training. I look like a naked mole rat. It's fine. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, man. No, but I mean, that's, that's the reality. And I think, um, I think girls on, on Instagram have it the worst, because there's so many built in filters and built in ways to kind of enhance your look. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, the world of makeup, if you know, if you know how to do makeup, most of the time when ladies come on the show, they'll make sure to touch up their makeup a little bit, make sure their their cheeks have a little bit of red in them, you know, get the mascara just right. You know, make sure if they're, especially if you're blonde or something like that, you you know, make sure you have eyebrows. Cause have you noticed that blonde people, are you naturally blonde? No. Oh, like I brunette. used to be a kid, but now, no, this is natural. But have you, have you noticed that people who are natural blondes, they like their eyebrows do not show up. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. it's like, where they at though? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to attack anybody, but I think it's just the funniest thing. I'm just like, cause I have like naturally really dark and like overly aggressive looking eyebrows. Like, like, look at these things. Like they're like. They're there. They're not going anywhere. It's like I took a Sharpie and, and brought them to work, you know? Um, and I think it's going back to what I was talking about with like Instagram and stuff. It's like, man, I knew a girl that every, even when she was on like Instagram live, she had to have a filter on like, yeah. the whole time. And I'm just like, oh, that's, 
I hate that for you. I hate that you feel like something's wrong with you or that you're not enough. And maybe this is a deeper conversation about society or, you know, this, I like this for me or or, or I hate this for, you know, whatever. Um, It doesn't seem like maybe you have that issue. Obviously you like your fake eyebrow, eyelashes, excuse me, but you're okay with showing people the opposite. So I'm happy for you in that regard, but let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, it it all comes down again to the individual because like as a woman, I get critiqued if I have no makeup. Oh, she needs makeup. Gosh, she she needs makeup. Like, why doesn't she do herself up? And then you get the argument of, gosh, women wear so much makeup, they're fake. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you want? Do you want me to have no makeup or do you want me to have makeup? Like, at the end of the day, do it for you. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's going to be haters. You can never please everybody. So if right. you're happy with it, if that's how you want to look, if that's what you want to do with your face, do it. It's not bothering me. It doesn't affect my life any different, whether you want to put on a lot of makeup or no makeup. If you want to judge me for wearing makeup or no makeup, that's on you. Okay. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It hurt my feelings. Like people say worse things to me. I'm a cop. <laughs> Good. Well, speaking of being a cop, the last topic that we got to talk about before we um, transition to the private stream is you guys had an incident uh, last time I talked, I guess maybe we talked about it a month ago. Yeah. And you had an incident on the job yeah. and there was a shooting um, that you were at I, the way you explained it, you were like loosely involved in, but let's, let's talk about it. What happened? Take us through that day. What can you share? So it was my very first officer involved shooting situation. Um, I was just about to get off work. It was 11 o'clock. I got off at midnight. I was heading to the car wash and texted my husband. Hey, honey, you know, I'm going to be off in about 45 minutes. I'll see you soon. No more than about 30 seconds later, we got a call on the radio from dispatch about shots fired at one of our huge like golf course community, kind of touristy, local, just big, rich communities. They've got restaurants, they've got shops, um, and then it's a big golf course community with houses and condos and all sorts of cool stuff. Um, so long story short, there was a 21-year-old kid down here for a bachelor, his brother's bachelor party. And for whatever reason, don't really know his motive, but he started shooting into occupied vehicles, driving in and out of the community. So he had been at the bars and restaurants partying with his bachelor party group and then left. And for whatever reason, just decided to start shooting his gun into vehicles as they were passing by on the street. So I think he shot into a total of like five vehicles, injured three, and one person did end up passing away. Um, So... We get these, you know, 911 calls through dispatch saying, oh, you know, all these shootings. And I'm thinking to myself, this area does fireworks almost every night. So I almost kind of shrugged it off at first, like, it's fireworks. Every time we have fireworks, people always mistake it for gunshot calls. But then as more 911 calls kept coming out, being like, oh, you know, he's shooting into cars. He shot someone in the back or whatever the notes were. I'm like, oh, okay, we've got a real shooting on our hands. And um I will admit I live in an area we don't have a lot of crime like that. We're not a big city. So it's not like Chicago, New York places where shooting happens like every five seconds. Um, So we responded. I was fourth on scene and the call was coming out from like the roundabout. When you enter this community, it's a roundabout with the guard gate and security. It wasn't at that roundabout, but once we pulled up, you could hear, you know, pop, 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 pop in the distance. So we drove a little bit further and 
Um, I got out of my truck again. I think I was the fourth vehicle on scene. So I got out of my truck. My rifle is in the back seat. So got my rifle, took cover behind my, my truck and we were all taking cover behind our vehicle. And it was the Sergeant on shift who actually saw the suspect shooting, took fire with his rifle and got the suspect down, got him in the arm. Um, so I heard him say, Hey, I got him. I think he's down. So we broke cover from our vehicles and we all kind of came up to the suspect at gunpoint and he was face down in the grass and I, um, we cuffed him up. I bandaged his wounds. We had paramedics come and get him. So for me, again, that was my first officer involved shooting. I didn't have to pull the trigger. Um, I didn't even see the suspect until he was down from my cover because uh, the sergeant also said he's going towards the wood line. So I looked to the left to the wood line. He was actually coming from a different wood line. So, um, yeah, the adrenaline dump was real on that one. So whether you're in first responder, career, civilian, get some stress training in because when it's real life and you hear gunfire in real life, right in front of you, that's a whole different level of adrenaline dump that you'll you know, you've never experienced. And I'm speaking for me because that was my first shooting incident in this job and in real life. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, thank you for sharing. I, I know that's, you know, personal and not, I don't know how comfortable you are with sharing that, but thank you for doing that. Um, that, that said, like, what was, I guess, what was going through your mind as you were, I guess, driving up? I know you said you're like, oh, this is for real, but like, were you, were you like, man, like, I really hope we can make it through or were you, pretty confident that since everybody's going at the same time, we're all be good or like, what, what were you thinking? It was kind of like, um, it was surreal. I was like, wow, this is real life. Like this is really going on right now mm -hmm. in an area where we don't really have crime like this, you know, and obviously I never assume nothing can happen. You always have to assume anything can happen anywhere. So that was just really putting it more into perspective. Like, wow, this is our rich golf course community. We're, you know, you don't hear about things like this and this is happening in this moment. This is real life. Yeah. Um, so I was just kind of like, wow, like, am I going to have to pull the trigger? Is one of us going to get hurt? Is he, you know, and then he's face down. I'm like, oh my gosh, is he, is he dead? Did we really just take somebody's life? Yeah. It's a lot of things that go through your mind. And this is where it was the perfect learning opportunity to what they teach you in the academy as far as it sometimes takes 24 to 72 hours to really like remember a situation and what happened. So like from a law enforcement perspective, when we interview a victim or whoever, sometimes you have to wait a day or two for all of that to kind of like settle before they can really truly remember what happened. Because in that moment, you're just, everything's, you know, misfiring in your brain and you're kind of like, holy crap, like, what happened? It literally just happened 10 minutes ago, but I'm, I'm having a hard time re-piecing exactly what happened. And then I remember after about 48 hours, I was like, okay, now I pretty much remember exactly what happened and in the, you know, in the sequence of events, but it took me a day or two for that to, to settle down a little bit in my brain. Statistically, most officers will go their entire career without ever pulling the trigger. And also statistically, most officers are bad with guns. Like they can't shoot to save their life. They barely pass quals. Um, as someone who trains a bit more than the average bear um, and you have a, a bigger background when it comes to firearms, would you, how do you feel that you would have responded if you had to be the one to have pulled the trigger and potentially have taken this guy's life? 
Um, it's hard to say it's, you know, until you're in that moment, it, you want to say you would respond a certain way, but you, you really don't know. And until you're put in that position. So I'd like to think that I would be okay with the fact that I pulled the trigger because of what he did, you know, he hurt three people and killed another one and shot into, you know, he was trying to kill people. Uh, he did. So, you know, you'd like to think that your mindset would be content with, yep, I, he deserved it. I took him out because that's what needed to be done. But at the same time, you don't know, there might still be that sense of guilt or just those feelings of like, holy crap, like I took a life or I tried to take a life Yeah. and then you can justify it, but he took a life and he took up, you know, he hurt other people. He, it, it, it's a lot. It's, it really is a lot. And that's where I think like, it would be a whole nother topic where a lot of that mental health and trauma with military first responders, all of that comes into play, you know? Yeah. And I'll, I'll most certainly ask you about mental health uh, right before we finish. Cause uh, I actually just got a text message from the one and only Nina de la Flores, um, <laughs> hero of the Republic, queen of, queen of Gundagram. Um, she's, she's definitely killing it right now. Uh, oh, multiple, yeah. multiple viral videos. What was that? I loved her recent photo shoot that she did with the ladies. That was, that was badass. Yeah. She's <laughs> everything she does. She kills it. I'm just like, man, mm -hmm. I want to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> I'm joking. I want to be me, but she's freaking dope. And I think we should all aspire to impact the, the second amendment community and beyond. Cause she, her, a lot of her viewers are not from what we do. You know what I mean? Um, that said, she, she just fired in a question and I want to get to that, but kind of, kind of talking about the, 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 the shooting, this was a mass shooting, another one. And I guess this crazy, like does, does media hype up the numbers or are we really running into like every city once a day, every day where, there's some guy with a gun just spraying up the place. How are you, how are you right now? It, like, obviously you're in the second amendment space. Mm -hmm. um, you exist here. We're teaching women how to shoot. We're teaching them how to shoot handguns for the most part. I don't know if you shoot rifles in, at class. Mm -hmm. um, where are you when, when you actually encounter these real life mass shooting scenarios in your, your little town where this could never happen? Hmm. Where does you, where does your mind go? Do you say like, dang, like, are they right? Or like, what what are these anti gutter, crazy psycho people saying that we should take all the guns from them? Or like, do they have a point? Or do you, do you like how do you defend your position as somebody who is advocated for teaching people how to shoot guns? Like, do you say like, well, you know, if we put more people on the street that are are healthy, like we we have a balance. Like, where do you hmm. go? Where, where does your mind go? I go to I wish more people had had firearms with them that could have maybe stopped him sooner before we got there. Now we had a two and a half minute response time, which was for law enforcement, that's pretty fast, but yeah. not fast enough given the circumstances. That's why I'm, mm -hmm. even though I'm in law enforcement, I always tell our students, you are your own first responder. We will not get there fast enough. You can pull the trigger so many times in a couple of seconds before law enforcement, you know, shows up. So my mind always kind of goes to, well, in any, in any shooting situation where either the suspect got away or didn't get taken down until law enforcement got there, what if we had more people in that situation that were armed that maybe could have stopped him? Like I think about, I forget his name, but it was the mall shooting and food court and that one, I think he was like only 21 or 22 years old and he stopped that shooter. Elijah Dickens. Like yeah, so, for the shot. You know, it's kind of like, great he was there and he had a gun probably mm -hmm. in a 
a gun-free zone um, and he was able to help. We had a recent situation in a, the town um, nearby, Panama City Beach. I think there's a shooting at the strip club. You're not allowed to legally have guns in a strip club. It's a bar. And some guy didn't get let in and he got mad that the bouncer wouldn't let him in. So he went back to his car, grabbed a gun and was going to try to shoot up the place. But a good person with a gun stopped him and shot him first when he pulled his gun and started shooting. So wow. it's kind of like, it's one of those situations where, you know, good thing he had it. He wasn't technically supposed to, right? but he prevented death that night. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy because I think about it all the time. There's plenty of places where I carry a firearm 99% of the time. And there's plenty of places where I'm, you know, I see a sign that says no guns. And unless it's one of those um, state issued signs, 3006, 3007 here in Texas, where no open carry, no concealed carry, no both, um, you can do what you want to do. If you get trespassed, that's one thing. Like you got to, you got to mm-hmm. go. Um, mm-hmm. But there are scenarios where I'm, I'm looking like even the post office where it's like a federal crime to go in there with a gun. You're like, man, if I go to the post office, going postal, that, that, that phrase is based on the fact that they used to spray and pray the Mm -hmm. post office. Um, Mm -hmm. If I go to the post office and someone goes postal and I don't have a firearm, I'm going to be kicking myself. But also if I get caught with a firearm in the post office, for some reason, (laughs) you're done. But if I stop somebody well, will the judge have leniency on me? Will I get probation? You know, depends what state you're in, probably. You know, yeah. Well, I'm in Texas, so maybe. But also, <laughs> sometimes you get somebody who's kind of liberal or an, an old geezer who's like, yeah, "We gotta, you know, teach these guys you can't just bring guns everywhere." You know, like people's mindsets are so strange. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just these are the questions that I ask myself as, as somebody who advocates for Second Amendment. Uh, who advocates for concealed carry. Uh, and I have just so many questions for my own self. Uh, last question before we switch over, we're literally about to do it right now, is uh, Nina, Nina, Nina De Flores sent this question in. She said, how does she handle her students um, who show signs of being mentally unwell or maybe even um, intending to uh, inflict self-harm? Do you, do you run into that? How do you deal with it? Um, luckily, I'll admit in the three years now we've been a company, we haven't really experienced that. Now I know Nina's had probably hundreds of thousands of students. So she's been doing this a lot longer than we have. Um, not, not saying that we haven't had students that don't have those issues. We haven't had any that I've seen yet to directly like cause a problem in class or make someone feel unsafe. But those are signs. Luckily my husband's really good at, you know, seeing this, he, uh, he grew up in Oakland, California. He's been around a lot of not so great people. He's a really, really good judge of character. Um, and so he always can call people out and I would give someone the benefit of the doubt. He'll be like, Nope, that's not a good person. And then I learned my lesson. So I've learned Mm -hmm. over time, but for the most part with stuff like that, usually in our classes are typically pretty small. Um, you have the ability to pull that person aside and maybe do one-on-one. So he might pull them aside or I might pull them aside or even just have a conversation like, Hey, you know, are you okay? Is this something you want to be doing today? A lot of times they start showing signs prior to mm-hmm. things. And so we haven't really experienced that yet. I don't know if she, I'm assuming maybe she has, that's why she's asking the question. Um, 
which is definitely, I'm, I appreciate that question because it's kind of like a heads up, like, hey, yeah, you might run into this situation with a student. Yeah. And I yeah, know- I think it's a great question. There's a high statistic for shooting ranges that people go there to commit suicide. So, I mm -hmm. mean, you just never know, like knock on wood. Yeah. We have not experienced that, you know? Yeah. Somebody who was on the show a few months ago, or maybe a year ago at this point, um, he had literally been teaching a student in, in a like one-on-one -on -one course and somebody a few stalls down had killed themselves. Um, mm -hmm. In addition to that, the shooting range here that we had one for years, indoor range, and then that one got shut down um, just because it happened like twice. I'm sure there's yeah. other issues, but yeah. I guess it got to a point where they just didn't want to deal with that anymore. It's, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. human, life is precious and I hate to see people throw it away. Mm -hmm. um, that said, so guys, we're actually at, at the point, hour 32 minutes. Normally we just kind of keep it hour 30. Um, we're going to switch over to locals. We're going to end the show here. For those who are still watching, can we go ahead and just let people know where they can find you, where they can sign up for a course, how they can follow your journey and the things that you're doing? Yeah. So we do have our website, alphafemaletactical.com. Um, it's going through some, it's available, but it's going through some construction as we are currently adding a booking process because um, we offer monthly scheduled classes and you can book by appointments for privates. We do one-on-one -on -one classes. We do couples classes for two, small group for three. We offer pistol courses, shotgun courses. We're launching our new class in January called FAFO, kind of like the fuck around, find out if you want to say, but it's actually going to be fists and firearms operations. So it's going to be a four hour combo course. You get two hours of the Krav Haganah hand-to-hand combat and defense. So defense against chokes, grabs, things like that. And then two hours of basic pistol training. So that's for all of our course information, but follow us on Facebook, Alpha Female Tactical and on Instagram, where you can see um, more video content, kind of my daily life, um, but you know, more of what goes on on the range and with our, our little home and what we do. Awesome. So guys, thank you so much for watching, listening. And uh, if you are still watching, let me, let me pull up this link here. And that little QR code at the bottom right-hand side of, is it left, left, right? My right, your left um, side right. of the screen is, uh, that actually takes you to my firearms content. Uh, one day I'll have the, the courage to switch it to take you to the locals feed. For now, you can actually go ahead. There's links in the description of this video, links in the comment section, links everywhere that'll take you over to our members page or community um, page. And there, I literally, I post like exclusive content that may or may not ever see the light of YouTube. So if you if you like what I do, uh, if you like firearms content, if you like the podcast content, you, there's actually an interview that we did um that hasn't aired yet but it's it's there go find it and there's a bunch of other content that um we make sure that we allow you to watch for free if you want to participate more fully five bucks a month gets you the full membership but uh, all the content there for the most part is available to watch for free we're going to continue this conversation over there on locals so uh definitely go ahead and check us out and uh thank you to Katrina for coming on and sharing what she's done, sharing what she's doing. I think she's really cool. I hope you did too. And if for some reason you think she's awful, let her know. Just kidding. Yeah. Be kind. Get her <laughs> All right. Yeah. Go drop a comment on, on one of her videos and uh, feed it up the algorithm. All right. Until next time, keep it costly. Mm -hmm.